guy is polishing his something in his... Oh, he's a pipe polisher, but a man's rear end. He's uh, vigorously <laughs> scrubbing back and forth, back and forth, while this unknowing gentleman is waiting for it to finish. Like the sounds. That is beautiful. I must be filming a movie. What is it? Let's see. Oh, in case anybody was wondering, uh, there was a terrible terrorist attack in New York today. Attempted. Um, attempted. 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 Uh, it failed because this dickweed uh, had a very poorly put together pipe bomb blow up in his pants. And he only did damage to himself, as far as I know. So who did, did ISIS or PETA claim it? I think ISIS claimed it. I think he was doing it in the claim of Islamic extremism. Okay. But, you know, what a... <clears throat> it's horrible that someone would attempt to do it, and he did it, you know, in the like, Port Authority Terminal or something like that, Jeez. which is where so many people go. So yeah. the potential for damage was really high, but thank goodness nothing bad happened. Such a dim note to start on. <laughs> and on that bombshell... All right, welcome Pipe back. Bombshell. <laughs> hey, Blew off in his pants. Hey, Hopefully, he lost his dick. It's it's it's, it's sort of ironic. Shot me in the dick. Sort of ironic. All right, hey, welcome back to the only podcast on the internet. We've been busy researching life and what it means. And guess what? What we still haven't figured out because all we do all day is look at memes. What's a meme, you ask? <laughs> we don't know. But anyways, uh, welcome Meme-y. to another. Episode of Topicocalypse, where four, sometimes more, individuals sit around a table. Today it's three. And, and it, today's three. Yes. We are a missing denial. We are the three amigos instead of the qu- quadru... I don't know. Uh, quad- quad- <laughs> I was about to say quadruplegic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quartet. Okay. Your improv skills yeah, are quadriplegic. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah. I, I sometimes wonder what it would be like it's to more just... more like a three-legged dog <laughs> at this point. Three-legged dog. Hey, we lasted pretty long as a three-legged dog for a while. I was going to say, some, some of us within this threesome here would call us the original Three Amigos. The original Three Amigos. That started the idea of this. Dan, Dan, used to be four, but... <laughs> Daniel is the prosthetic leg. Hey, oh, at least... Well, no, that's, <laughs> that's a bit harsh. We need him, though. Is he, he made of adamantium? He holds us up. <laughs> Dan, he, right. he holds us up. He, he keeps us he, morally grounded. He equalizes everything. He doesn't swear, which I really yeah. appreciate for a man. I have no control. Where was I? I, I like I was on my. Uh, I was on. Josh was reading his script. There's no script here. This is all natural, right at the top. Oh of my yeah, head. yeah, yeah. All right. Anyways, welcome to Topic Ocalypse for four, sometimes more individuals three today sit around a table talking about things they may or may not know anything about. If you like that, you can listen to the entire show on Patreon.com. How soon, Brian Kane? As soon as Josh feels like uploading it. That's right. For only. A- <laughs> I got to get on that. Uh, that's right. For only a dollar or several a month, if you're feeling generous, you can listen to it right after we record or whenever I feel like putting it up. However, if you don't have any bucks to give, fear not. You can listen to it topic by topic, day by day on podcasting outlets around the globe until it goes up as a whole every Friday, hopefully. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Topicocalypse, or you can send us an email at Topicocalypse at gmail.com. Send us any questions, comments, feedback. Things you hate, that goes to Josh. Things you like, that goes to me. And everything else goes to denial. And we would prefer... Well, thanks for leaving me out there. And Justin. We would prefer <laughs> questions and not, uh, not... Not hate speech. Not hate speech or, or nudes or uh, subscriptions to porn sites. Josh We've will accept dick pics, though, unsolicited. Um, or if you're from Antifa. <laughs> or if you're from Antifa, yeah. That too. <laughs> All right, so uh, we got some topics here. We, uh, later on the show, we're going to be having Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos grace us with his presence on the computer screen. Woo-woo. 
Woot. Um, all right, so topics. I guess I'll start this off. So I was talking to a, he's kind of a mentor of mine, and I was discussing uh, what he thinks of the Harvey Weinstein stuff, like the sexual harassment. And he, I, I, I said to him, I'm like, what do you think of this, this idea that I have that we spend probably 60% of our brain function trying to suppress primal urges? And he looks at me and he says, I don't think that, yes, we do use some of our, our brain function to suppress these urges, but I don't think that that's what it is. I think that we need to learn the difference between a need and an appetite. And that actually kind of shifted the whole paradigm of my thinking there. And it got me kind of uh, like thinking about the whole idea of like gender and sexuality, how that applies to that. So you have, we're living in a day where like you can literally, um, you know, change your change your gender physically and mentally emotionally whatever you can change your gender and i was on the internet the other day and i came across a story where someone had actually transitioned to being a female and then decided they wanted to transition back and there was a number of they're talking about uh he, he was talking about how his uh you know his his family didn't approve so he like he would he felt ha i guess somewhat happy in his body and then like he, it wasn't worth it anymore to like be ostracized by your family and like uh, you know, you couldn't have kids. There's just a number of things that he or she didn't like and decided to transition back. Did, but he, did he do the hormone therapy where he was changing, like, did the full sex change operation? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, he, the, 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 he did the hormone therapy. Yes, he did the full operation, okay. if I remember the article correctly. And then he decided to go back to being a, a man. And so this, this just got me thinking, that whole idea of appetite versus need. So... It's kind of like when, you know, when we're, when you play video game, like when you go shopping, you're like, I need that. If I don't have that, you're, you're like, you're, you leave the store, but you don't die. You know, you don't, sure. the thought doesn't kill you. So do you guys think in the case of like gender and sexuality, do you think that it's more of a need or an appetite? Like if, do you need to change your gender? Do you need to, uh, you know, go do like the, the, the kink stuff or is it just an appetite? Because, you know, we have this whole movement now where it's like you need to be happy, you need to fix your emotional state, this is what you were meant to be, but do you guys, what, how much of that do you think is a need and how much of it do you think is an appetite? Well, I have a hard time answering that because I have not been in that position, but I can say from, I have a, a family member who is sort of, I think he's on his way to either becoming a female or at least gender fluid where you're kind of operating in between the lines and nobody's really sure. Um, for him, we noticed right away that it was obvious. So I think for someone in that situation, I feel like that's a need because there were many times where maybe you weren't able to be identified as the gender you wanted to be or go after uh, the people you wanted to go after sexually or anything like that. But now we're in a state where we finally evolved as a as like a, a society that we can and we do allow people to change their gender based on what they want. I think that's a good thing and a bad thing. But I definitely feel like this is for, I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. On his case, I would say it was a need because he felt unwelcomed in his own skin based on what he was born as, as a heterosexual, you know, as a quote-unquote heterosexual male with a penis. He feels like Maybe he's not that. And so that's a need. I think he felt he needed to change for that sake. Right, right. So, I, I mean, and I know a lot of people, like they say, the depression and suicide statistics are high in transgendered individuals. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, and, and I, how much of it, like, do you think a lot, because I think a lot of people are, uh, maybe do you think it's a factor of seeing that that ability is now there to do that, that kind of triggers that in people too? I would think so. I think you, well, it's hard to say. If you're in that spot, maybe, maybe there are definitely, you know, outside circumstances like the case you were talking about where being ostracized by your family. Like maybe that's so much of a deterrent for someone and they still have these highly important family values distilled within them because that's what they grew up with and they don't want to lose that. So they would rather bite the bullet and sort of just live who they really are on the inside and not outwardly express it and stay within like the family structure versus risking being out of that family social structure if you decide to change your gender. Right. And then how much of that do you think is the... The, the family, do you think that it's wrong, it's wrong for a family to reject someone based on this type of situation? Not taking religious beliefs. I think they should, most families should be open, but that doesn't mean every family is. Right, I think there's right. a lot of political ideology and religious you know, beliefs that affect that decision of a family structure. So certain families who are way more you know, religious influenced, which is the case of my family member who I was talking about earlier is they're very ingrained in the church and they're, you know, born again Christian, which that means something different to everybody. Um, but the family has sort of refused it and basically kicked him out over it because they were telling him, no, you can't do that. No, you can't behave like that. But this is a kid who was wearing dresses at three years old. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause I think a lot of like the whole idea of need and appetite is the differentiation that's made by sort of in the church, you know, it's like, do you, you're, you're defying God, so it's not a need, it's an appetite, and it's not but an you appetite have to look at satisfying it as if, to as God. The, the appetite is either feeding the need or the need is feeding the appetite. They form, they kind of help form each other. That's true, that's true. It's They, they kind of, uh, you can't have one without the other, I guess, in a way. But it, it's just, I don't know, It's because our, our minds are so weird. Like, they're just the, the things that, like, how our brains yeah. can be rewired so... Uh, you know, just by by seeing things visually or hearing. Well, about you, things you or think being, about it, your your appetite becomes so great that you need to change. You need it because your appetite is so great. Right, right, and it, it's it's the whole like that. That's you know, I go back to my my uh, comparison earlier with like shopping. You know, you're like, I need that video game. If I don't, I'm gonna be pissed off all day. Or like, I need to go to Del Taco and get that burrito, or else I'm just gonna be. But in do a you really bad need four burritos? But yeah. I still feel like that's different with. You're talking about material things, right. but what you're talking about in this regards to like gender and sexuality, that is a biological thing. Yeah, it's yeah. different. So with material things, yes, we can always strive to have this appetite. Yes, I want a bigger TV. Yes, I want a nicer car. I want a bigger house. But with sexuality, you can't say I want a bigger sexuality. Yeah, I want a nicer sexual. You know, like you are what you are, and so that's where I think this situation becomes need more so than appetite. I think you get the appetite from social feedback. The social feedback is, yes, you're getting approved and that's great. And I, you know, want to feel that. And I crave that sense of belonging that I haven't felt my whole life if I come out at this gender. But the, the base instinct itself within that person, I, I gotta say it feels more like need, but again, I have no idea what I'm talking about because this isn't happening to me. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's not happening to me either. It's just, it's like... Um, you don't say. You don't say, clearly. Uh, Justina. I, I was... <laughs> what? What? <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> I actually got my, my court paperwork it's here. It's a nice bass you got in your voice, Justina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but no, and you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking out against it. I'm just curious, like what the psychology involved in this is. And like, I'd be curious to, to actually go out and talk to people who've done this and see like how they feel after they've done all this. Like, are they happy or what? Do they have any regrets or because like the guy in the article, he went back to being a boy. So like, I'm, I'm curious how many people experience that after mm-hmm. it. But the thing is, is it, it's kind of like the, once the cat's out of the bag, you can't go back to not to everybody not knowing what you what, what you did or what you are what you how you feel or everything. You can't really just switch it off. That's true. And to his point, do you think that it would be because you you go from you know coming out to your family and then do you think that once you do do that and then you go back, do you think that they're that's like you know if they ostracize you, do you think they'd be willing to forgive you after that, or what? What do you think the? If I saw someone in that situation, I would feel just so terrible for them because it's someone who's clearly lost. Yeah. To where, and I would be, you know, frankly, pretty upset at the family or friends or whoever's around them because if they're changing to become more of who they feel like they should be, and no one around them is supporting them, then that person's had no support structure their whole life, and so imagine how they felt up to that point. Then the bravery it takes for someone to come out and to say, you know what, I am going to change this. Then the whole carpet gets pulled out from under them and they're completely isolated by themselves and they feel even worse than they did before because now they're vulnerable and have no support structure. That's just brutal. Yeah, no, for real. And it's. I can understand why the suicide rates are so high and the depression rates, I imagine, are through the roof. Yeah, yeah. So, I I mean, you know, and again, this is not me like speaking out against it. You're, hey, be who you want to be. But I'm just the 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 psychology of it all. Josh just, says. Josh says. Be who you want to be. Be who you want to be. That's gonna be on a T-shirt. But um, <laughs> I, I just the the way like the the psychology of it, the way that people think who are both doing it and people who th- the way people think who are seeing it happen or their loved ones are doing it. It's just it kind of fascinates me. I don't know I don't know why, but it's just something I would like to kind of like dig into a little bit more to yeah. see. The the science side of me and you know. It, and the education I've had, it, it doesn't make me question. Like, I believe that people feel like, they, you know, if they're uh, a male, you know, they have, you know, their chromosome structure. They might feel like they're a woman. Fine. But I think biologically, there's a part of me that's like, look at your chromosome pattern. XX. Right, right. It's the science of it. You're a female. XY? It's a fact. It's definitive. Right. But at the same time, I'm not saying that people can't feel that way. And that's, this is where I get conflicted because like the social side of me says, dude, do what you want to do. Be who you want to be. Be comfortable in your own skin. That's priority number one. The science and the educated side of me says, hey, this is what you were born as. You could have, you know, hormonal imbalances. That happens. Well, that's and the- that's what the hormone therapy does is supposed to fix. But it shouldn't, you know... But that's the whole logic versus emotion, right? And we're we're an emotionally driven society these days. Well, primates are, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, yeah. Be 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 yourself. But like, it's it, I don't know. Like like you said, it's the whole like the the science thing too. And it's all everyone's always saying like, you know, these brain scans show that your neurons fire a different way if you yeah. are a male and you feel like you need to be a female. And it. it that's interesting, but like I think our brains are like capable of being uh, influenced by well, brains are very the, malleable. Well, uh, yeah, the body in general is adaptable. You, you're constantly adapting to your environment and your surroundings. So right. if you're conditioned to a certain way, your body will change to yeah. fit that. 
That's, right. a, that's a nature versus nurture argument. Yeah, right. Is the environment you're in and the people you hang around because you're going to gravitate towards people who are going to be more supportive and say, go out and go get them. So that's going to re-emphasize your own internal thought process, which means... The environment plays you know, a huge part, you know, part of right. it. Right, and those pathways and those synapses are clicking, which means that's what you're going to be driven to and that's going to be the strongest thing you think of. Versus somebody else who isn't in that environment, who's kind of isolated by themselves, they might be more likely to just, oh, well, I can just force this out of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's I, I get both sides of the argument. It, it's just something that is it it is. I mean, inter, it's interesting. It's genuinely interesting yeah. to like the the whole everything I, about I this wonder, issue. I wonder if this existed in other civilizations well before our time, before modern medicine, before anything like that. I'm sure it did. I'm just not educated enough in ancient history to know, like, if this happened in ancient Egypt or if this happened in I think so. Greece or if this happened well, in Rome. They like, had... What, what was that one guy that lived during the... Um, Spartacus? The, no. the guy that There's a guy that lived during the French Revolution, and he was a... Uh, he was a spy, but he because he... He was a man who looked like a woman, but he always dressed up like a woman, so they disguised him as a woman to go into other people's courts and spy on them. And they, history calls him like the first actual uh, documented transgendered person. Hmm. But that's kind of like they're forcing him to do that. It's not like he's just like, I'm a woman. It's, just it's like, like a, you look, well, they you treat look it, feminine. They let's, treat put it like, wig, let's put some dresses right, on you right, and send you in there. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> leave it to anybody if they have a chance to weaponize anything. Well, that, that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that, that was like... Um, you you have beautiful cheeks. <laughs> it's, it's funny, like you go into... Uh, like the special need classrooms and stuff, and you always see like posters on the wall. These people in history had ADD, and it's always like Plato and uh, sure. Co- Copernicus and all these these no. philosophers. LeBron James. LeBron James, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know for some reason Billy Bob Thornton's always on these posters. I don't know why. Um, yeah, so he, just, he just says that look. Yeah, yeah, but oh poor Billy. <laughs> he has the look and the name. So I had one more aspect of this topic that I wanted to bring to you guys, talk to you guys about the. The idea of therapy. So you have people who now specialize in gender therapy, and it's with like I, I've been to therapists. I know you've been to therapists, and yeah. like you don't, they don't, they want to. They yes, they're helpful sometimes, but like they they want to make a paycheck. So like if they could diagnose you with like gender dysphoria, and that keeps you coming back to them, like do you? What is the Gen- genuineness there do you think it's like they want to be part of the supporting movement or do you think it's they want to make a paycheck or do you think they genuinely care i think it depends on the about therapist. the people in their in their care with this i think that really depends on the therapist because i'm sure you've had great therapists and horrible therapists it depends on who you go to i pay super close attention to the educational background and i've learned to never stay with the therapist for more than a year and the reason is is because you can develop a sense of comfort And so you're not going to get as much done because therapy is, I kind of see it like you go take your car in to go get a tune-up to make sure everything's working right. You go to therapy, not only when things are bad, but when things are good to make sure I'm thinking the right things and progressing the right way in the way that's helpful and beneficial. If someone's doing gender therapy... Well, it's almost like any medical field. You want a second opinion. Right. You want multiple opinions because the larger your sample size is and they agree or they disagree, then you really don't know and you don't know who to trust. So you keep going until what the prevailing thought is. Yeah. Well, because you go like especially on YouTube, like you can or even on like someone's Yelp page, like you can Google their names 
And it'll have, you'll have some people who are like, oh, yeah, they're great. And then you have other people who say, like, oh, I expose them for this and this and this. So it's like, it's, it's hard to trust people, you know? Yeah, well, and that's why I think with, with therapy and anyone who's, you know, going to therapy, I advocate you go see multiple people and you find which one you Don't find the one that's giving you the answers that you want. Yeah. Well, and yeah, not, for, o- no, not, that's o- for sure. not only that, but like you, you need like two or three sessions before you can figure out. And then you have to, at the end of the day, you're paying them to help you. So treat it like a mechanic. If you're paying them and it's not helping, go somewhere else. Yeah. It is that simple. Yeah. And, you know, you can tell you do, a lot of people like, oh, because they're a doctor, they think you're going to them and they're this, you know, almighty power and that you have to do whatever they say. Who's writing who? The check. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, it's it, it's so easy, but, you know, the people who are going to therapy, not to say that they're weak-willed, but, like, they're broken a little bit. And so there's something wrong. So they're not likely the ones who are going to come out and say, oh, I got this going wrong. So they're just going. And there's a lot of people, obviously, who aren't like this, but the select group of people who are. Well, it's dangerous, too, because when you do go to therapy, it's because your mind, yeah, like you said, your mind is broken. And when your mind is broken, I think it's... A sp- don't say it's just broken. I mean, I know I said it, but it's- don't say it because that's, you know... Hurtful. No, yeah, but you're I mean, broken. Go to therapy. Yeah, but like when your mind is in that position, you're especially vulnerable to yep. the suggestions of others or the things that you see or hear. So, right, you know, and again, I, I, I don't, I don't want people to listen to this and think that I'm like anti what it, uh, anti trans or too late stuff like that. But <laughs> it, it's just I'm, I'm cur- I'm fascinated by it. I'm curious. Like, uh, it's yeah. the whole idea behind it is interesting to me. So, on the point of therapy, though, do you think everybody should go to therapy? It it depends on what you're going to therapy for. Like, uh, it's if someone ever tells you they don't need therapy, usually means that they need therapy. Because we all so have issues. Sense of narcissism. Like yeah. we all all pe- nobody's flawless. We all have issues. We all have things that we. A lot of people like you know like what we're doing. We drink until yeah, our yeah, problems yeah. go away. Yeah. So, but it's uh. Thanks to shoots. Thank you. We are. Uh, th- they're our latest sponsor to shoots. Uh, alcohol, alcoholic beverages. Thank you very much. Uh, Bend but then you have those people yeah. who look down on people who go to therapy. And the, like, like, yeah. like you're, you're just, you're just, weak, well, that, you're just that, speaks, that speaks about ego and pride, yeah. I think, in a way. Like, I'm perfect. That's, a, that's an old school view, though. I feel like that's going to be weeded out. I think our generation of parents, so we're all, you know, late 20s and above. Yeah. So, like, our parents are in their 50s into their 60s, whatever. That generation was when therapy was first introduced, but it was only introduced for the quote-unquote crazy and insane people. Well, that's it's always been stigmatized as yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So what's going to happen is, oh, just tough it out, you're fine. That led to our generation, all right, we're the ones who generally need therapy uh, for certain things. Um, the generation after that, therapy for even more things. You know, just so much pressure. So that stigma is going to go away with probably our generation's version of kids. You need therapy? Oh, that's fine. You know what? Get the help you need. I think some people like my parents' generation, and it's like, oh, I'm going to go to therapy. They took that as, oh, well, I guess I wasn't a good enough parent. And they right. took that yeah, yeah, personally, yeah, and which is not the case at all. Yeah. Because you spend more time around your friends in school than you do around your parents when yeah. you're growing up. And that's when things are going wrong. So it's not even a reflection yeah. on them. But but there it, is there is certain degrees, like, really, you can't just, just, just suck it up. I mean... There are serious issues, yes, sure, yeah. yes, of course, but like you know, like 
The, and yeah, there are minor things where it's just like, dude, just don't be so sensitive about it. I, I see you, what you're getting at because the mm-hmm. more it, it's like the the whole time you you know the more you scratch at a wound, the bigger the the bigger yeah. and more noticeable the wound's going to get. And you know, th- well, and if the wound gets big enough, people will notice, and then you're craving that attention. You yeah, that yeah, that that's my whole thing. So after Rabbit Trail here, that's after like 13 Reasons Why I came out on Netflix, and I, I wrote a bunch of articles about this, but. We had this whole thing where people you want to were, plug where they are. Uh, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, and we'll put a link up on Twitter. Yeah, we'll put a link up on Twitter. Um, actually, I don't know where else it's posted, but you can definitely find it there. Yeah. And, but it's it's the whole thing where now we're normalizing suicide, and we're it's it's. I'm glad people are talking about it, but we're tur- we've that that show especially has turned it into like suicide and depression and anxiety into this idea that you know these are just normal teenage things, and like the more. It, we we accessorize it sort of, if that if that makes sense. So it's so Josh is pro thinning out the herd. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> oh no, sorry. This was my big thing though. Like when you have bloggers getting on and trying to take advantage of the trend, bloggers who ne- Jay Asher, the guy that wrote the book, had never experienced depression and suicide. He right. goes, he's on the record as saying that he wrote the book based on somebody else's experiences. Sure. So when you have something like that and you have bloggers going on there and trying to tell people how to get over suicidal feelings and depression, and those people have never experienced it, you yeah. create this very dangerous uh, avalanche that's very easy, especially for teenagers, to get caught up in. And before yep. we know it, we have all these people. It, it's like um, after Kurt Cobain died in 1994, the CDC released statistics saying that after his death, the there's a sky the, the number of teenagers seeking mental health over suicidal feelings skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's all stu- you know especially when it comes to mental health it's all stuff we gotta we gotta be careful about. Do your research. Um, yeah. Make sure you you trust your therapist and all that. My recommendation would be I, so I've said this three times now. I'll echo it again. Therapy is like getting your car fixed. You take your car fixed even if there's nothing wrong with it. Not get your car fixed, but you go in for your. You Five fifty thousand miles service. Out. It's a yeah. yeah, right. So what's going to happen is when you go there and you're feeling good, that's when you're going to get the best information because you're going to be receptive, completely open to it, and you can remember that when things aren't going well. Oh yeah, I should be thinking more like this, and I should be thinking more like this. The problem is, is people go in when their mind is already not in a great place, and they're getting this idea of oh, I can do this, or I can think about this, or I can try this exercise. But their mindset is in full reject mode. They're not ready to accept anything. Yeah. So you should go <clears throat> regularly. And that's well, I think one of the best parts, like best types of therapy, is like where you don't have like a huge issue, but there's stuff that bothers you, and you and it sometimes it feels better to tell it to a complete stranger than a family member or a friend. It just feels to air out everything that's bothering you. This right. like, like at the end of every week, you just go and you just talk about everything that's bothering yep. you or anything like that, and it just helps you feel better. It's it, kind of like a does. detox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you also you also got to remember too that therapists aren't always right. So like if you have well no no you're not going there to get a, you're, just, you're just going there to air your air yeah, your business. Yeah, you yeah. just want to clear it out. But you know if you go in for like certain issues, they're like you go hey anytime I see a cat I want to curl up in the fetal position. They're like oh well that just means you're transgender. Like they're not always right about stuff. So you always you have to like be very careful too with them. Um, anyways, we kind of went off on this topic for a while. Uh, do you guys any any closing thoughts on this? Go seek help if you need help. If you don't need help, go seek help. Yeah. Like it's 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 I mean, not even a if bad... it's not a therapist, just talk to somebody. Yeah. Don't stew on anything for a long time. Don't stuff it down. Because if you stuff it down, you'll explode I don't know, eventually. You get angry and it takes so much energy to be angry. 
It does. You hold on to things for so long that are so unnecessary. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we are going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Frank here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.